Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's very important conversation. I have loved our time together over the past week. Last week, we had five conversations about how to... Ooh, how to find peace inside of a pandemic. Yeah, before the last couple of weeks, I didn't even know what that word was. I'm going to just confess, had no idea. Never heard of the word pandemic. Learned that it's something that affects everyone globally. And we're in the midst of a COVID-19 virus Ooh, that is just daily, daily, minute by minute, sending us new normals. This past Monday, the governor of Virginia, where I live, said schools would be out till the end of the year. Uh, The Olympics were canceled. Just imagine that. That in and of itself just took my breath away for all of the ramifications of the people involved, the jobs involved. Oh, just so much the grandeur, the joy, we all look forward to that extravagant event and that competition that is just so, we just get so invested and graduations are being canceled. So many new normals. And I was having a conversation with a client this morning who happens to be a young mama. And uh, I was just so, so very proud of how she is leading and guiding her children in this new normal when they found out about Monday's cancellation of school to the end of the year, one's in preschool, one's in kindergarten, she wept. And I love that she wept in front of her children. I really wanted to talk about this today because she had gotten a memo from the school, which probably many of you have, encouraging the parents to be really strong for their children and to shield them from as much as they could because there's so much fear and there's so much anxiety. And boy, I get that. But as a mama now of adult children, and I homeschooled, as I said, for close to 14, 15 years, somewhere around there, I was always being told, you're shielding your children. They're not gonna be able to handle society. They won't have any social skills. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And oh, how wrong those voices really were in my life. And I'm glad that I really didn't listen to them. And I'm glad I listened to the spirit of God, the little whisper that said, keep them home, keep them close. I was accused by pastor of a, a pastor by overparenting, hyperparenting. He wanted me to be on staff. I mean, there's just so many things, right? So many things that are so many voices that uh, come at you as a parent. And I agree with that memo that, yes, be strong for sure. But when you look at it, when you look at it in the big picture, 
I love that she wept. She said she cried when she found out school was canceled. And I thought she cried because, oh my goodness, I'm going to have my kids home the rest of the year. Her answer as to why she wept in front of them, it really took my breath away because she said, I was just so sad that they didn't get to say goodbye to their friends, their teachers. There was no closure. It, it was just taken away. And of course, at four and six, it's not really a four-year-old particularly isn't going to be hopping on a Zoom with his friends, like I, at least this family. And I was so, I, I just like, girl, you are so sweet, so tender. I love your heart. I can honestly say I'm not sure that I would have cried for that reason <laughs> when I was a young mama. And I'm going to tell you why. And she gave me permission. So I want you to lean in a little bit. Our conversation for the next three days of this week, because I had a lot of catching up to do these uh, this past couple days and helping my dear mama and her assisted living and, and just some other things I had to take care of. So I'll just be podcasting uh, for three episodes this week. And I'm going to call it The Hallways of Home. And The Hallways of Home has just been ringing in side of me for quite a few months. I think there might be a book brewing. There might be something brewing. And um, so I want to call this the hallways of home. And a hallway, if you think about a hallway, and I was just, you know, I'm going to start reading about hallways and how important they are inside of a home or a building. So that's what I did today. Um, you know, a hallway is uh, typically, it can be anywhere from 36 inches I was reading to four feet wide. Older homes, the hallways are bigger. If you go into old homes, um, well, not always, because my daughter in Missouri just bought a beautiful old home and the hallways were very narrow, are very narrow. My son in Kansas bought an old, old home, hundred over 100 years old, and hallways upstairs are very narrow. And so, but typically you want a hallway to be wide enough that you can carry furniture down it or that you can cross someone, right, uh, easily. And so one of the architects I was reading said have, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, probably chicane, C-H-I-C-A-N-E, to add some interest to the hallway. You can uh, curve it so that there is an angle uh, so that's a chicane of some sort. I'll, I'm not deep in research yet. You could add some molding, chair molding, and then some lights along it, you know, just to make your hallway interesting. And then when I looked at the definition of a hallway, I just, I just fell in love right away. Cause I knew, I knew it was the right word. I know it was the right word for you and for me and for our conversation because the hallways of home, okay, a hallway is a long passage. Cue the sound, the music, passage. It's a long passage with doors into rooms on both sides of it. Oh, just there are... I'm, the bells might not be going off in you, but there are just beautiful bells and whistles going off inside of me. Hallways lead to entrances. 
They are passages and typically long passages with doors on both sides and they lead into an entrance into another space. So over these next three days, I am going to return once again to my archives, to my very first book, Rock Solid Families Transform an Ordinary Home into a Fortress of Faith that was published in 2007, back in the dark ages before social media, before high-speed Fios network. It was dial-up at best. Yeah, it was definitely, I definitely did some research. So, but back in the dark ages. <laughs> and so I never had the opportunity to social media Rock Solid Families. And it's 12 foundational stones for what I considered to be a solid, healthy family. Now, why on earth at that time would I write a book about families? Uh, my children were about, let's say, mm, started writing it when they were maybe in sixth grade, the twins and 10th, no, 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 earlier than that. Anyway, it was a long time ago. And I was a homeschooling mama. I was also um, pioneering a homeschool, like day schools, and it was called Reach 2000. That was the year it opened. And I had just transitioned from my um, dance studio after I'd broken my back. And so God was calling me home to homeschool my three children and then opened the doors after a couple of years and uh, started a cooperative where lots of mamas got together and we we cooperated together and it was a fabulous school we wrote our curriculum we developed our own programs and during that time i started writing for a regional homeschooling journal and they asked me to write on preschool and so i wrote an article every month and then those 12 articles ended up becoming the foundation i was then asked to write the um chapter in the Home Educators Association of Virginia, our, our state homeschooling manual, I was asked to write the chapter on family. So it was quite an evolving and unfolding. Here I had been a dance instructor homeschooling my kids. I had a back fracture. I had to close. Oh, I sold the studio. I had to move and transition into an entirely new normal for me. I thought I would be a dance educator for the rest of my life, but it seemed God had some other gifts and talents hidden under those dance talents, and that was writing, speaking, teaching. And so I wrote the foundations of family for the manual, which ended up becoming the book proposal for Rock Solid Families, which got purchased so wonderfully by an amazing editor and an amazing publishing house, actually, in so Rock Solid Families has 12 foundation stones and they are, I used to have them memorized, but I don't anymore. And I'm gonna pull it out because I have a couple books I'm gonna be sharing with you today. Those 12 stones are vision, flexibility, order, organization, marriage, devotion, prayer, because they are different, spiritual success, obedience, love, grace, and creativity. And as I, as I go back, I, we have a joke in our family that once Rock Solid came out, 
I put on my license plate, and I think I've said this, spoken about this before, I put on my license plate, I could not, I couldn't get rock spelled out, so it was, it was a R, R-C-K-S-L-I-D, I think, so it actually looked like rock slide, so a lot of people were like, why do you have rock slide on your car, and I'm like, oh, I have got to take that off, because it kind of became a prophetic utterance. Because then my kids were in the latter part of their teens and going into adulthood and adult parenting for me was just quite, was just quite a transformation from having them leave the home, empty nest, and then be on their own. So went through so much transition. Oh my goodness. So I always said I I need to write a, a book called Rock Slide for the teen adult years, but no, we, we got through our rock slide for sure. So Rock Solid, I'm going to be sharing a lot from Rock Solid, and it is still available on Amazon, which I love, and I highly encourage you to get it. There aren't many copies left, from what I know, at the publisher, and so um, I encourage you. I'm still very proud of that book. I would just like to rewrite it, and hopefully I will, and now add the whole digital distraction and interruption science and the whole social media and all of my goodness there's so much that has happened since 2007 for parents to understand about healthy families so I'm going to be looking through rock solid families and um, very excited about that but to start today to start our journey down the hallways of our home our long passages right with doors on each side that lead to something. I'm going to turn to nature, as I typically do, you know. I love nature. And I'm going to read from a fabulous, wonderful book called The Hidden Life of Trees. Peter Wobblin, I believe is how you say it. This is a New York Times bestseller, and the subtitle is What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World. I discovered Peter Wobblin through an NPR public radio um, tape uh, episode when I was preparing for a speaking event about uh, how we need each other, about community, And somehow or another, my research led me to that NPR episode, and it it once again took my breath away, which new material often does when it resonates inside of my heart. And um, this is what I learned. I'm only going to give you just a paragraph today. I might return to it, but for our episode today, listen in. So Peter Walligan, he is a German... Um, forester in the area of Hummel. I'm pretty sure it's Hummel because that's like the little Hummel figurines. And he wrote this book to describe his experiences in the forest that he manages in the Eiffel Mountains in Germany. And he wanted to record what the trees had taught him or were teaching him. And after he published this book, he realized it struck a chord with so many of us. So I love in the introduction, he writes, this book is a lens to help you take a closer look at what you might have taken for granted. Slow down. Breathe deep. And look around. What can you hear? 
What do you see? How do you feel? Oh, my dear friends in this community, is this like a word from God for us today that is this pandemic a lens to help us take a closer look at what we once might have taken for granted? I'm just putting that out there. And I've been very emotional today, which I don't tend to get a whole lot of this emotion anymore. Probably because of my beautiful session with my client this morning, this young mama, trying to figure out what the heck is going on in life now. Is it a time for us to slow down, to breathe deep, and to look around? This might be a time for you to pause and answer these three questions. What can you hear? What do you see and how do you feel? He continues, my story also explains why forests matter on a global scale. Trees are important, but when trees unite to create a fully functioning forest, (laughs) you really can say that the whole is greater than its parts. My goodness. And that just resonates to how we were ended last week about the greater good right now. My whole Lenten study guide that I wrote before any hints of this pandemic was all about finding the greater good in our lives. Life is not all about me. It's not all about you but it is all about the corporate we. So he writes, your trees may not function exactly as my trees do, and your forest might look a little different than my forest, but the underlying narrative is the same. Okay, grab a pen. After I say this sentence, I just want you to pause and write this down. Forest matter. That's a forest, F-O-R-E-S-T. It feels like it's coming out of my mouth weird. Forest matter at a more fundamental level than most of us realize. Forest matter at a more fundamental level than most of us realize. I immediately jotted down these notes. There is such a parallel between that statement and the one that I wrote down. The family system matters at a more fundamental level than most of us realize. I'm going to repeat it. The family system matters at a more fundamental level than most of us realize. Thank you, Peter Wallabin. You gave me words to what I had been sensing so deeply 
as this pandemic has exponentially grown and developed and caused shutdowns and panic buying and quarantines and mandates. I really truly, in all honesty, believe that this is such an opportunity to slow the pace, to take a breath, and to look deeply at our family system. And so it's, it, this is hard to say, but we're really being forced. I've said it already though, forced to come home. And as my client this morning said, I'm, I'm, I have to be home. Like I don't have an option. I don't have a choice. I can go to the grocery store, but, and it, it's just a very arresting I can't say alarming at this point, but it is alarming for so many people. For me, it is not so much, but I've done a lot, a lot of heart work. And so I was so proud of my client as well, because she too has done a lot of heart work. 2019 for was for her and her family was a very, very hard, hard year of heart work. And she did it and her husband did it and they did it. And I'm so proud of this family. I'm just so, so proud. I'm proud mama counselor bear. And they are benefiting now from the hard work they faced in their life. And, and a huge part of that, and she's given me permission to share, was about something called secure attachment. Now, I talk all about secure attachment in Season 2, Episode 19. So you can go back and find that and listen in so you can understand. I will go to my Jesus one day. <laughs> Absolutely 1,000% sure that when a human being is born into a family a secure family where they are given the gift of secure attachment, their entire life will be successful and meaningful, happy, blessed, because they know who they are and they know they have a secure base that's supporting them and guiding them no matter what happens. Now, having secure attachment does not mean you will not have problems. You will not be overwhelmed. You will not have hard things happen to you. You will have loss. No, no, no. It does not mean perfection. It means that you know who you are. You know that you have value, worth, and dignity. You know that you belong to a support group just like a forest. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But for today, we are imaging two things. Our home, our family is our forest and we're putting our roots deep down in healthy soil and those roots are going to grow and expand and as our children grow they will have They'll be part of that rooted system. You've heard that old thing, you know, our job as parents is to give our children roots and wings. Well, we're talking about the roots today. 
So in his book, A Secure Base, one, well, he is the founder of attachment theory, John Bowlby, he writes this, that how important the provision of a secure base is for a child. And he writes, and if you have any inclination to order this book, A Secure Base by Bowlby, B-O-W-L-B-Y, this is from page 11. This brings me to a central feature of my concept of parenting, the provision by both parents, by both parents, of a secure base from which a child or an adolescent can make sorties. I love his language. When was this written? A long time ago. Let me just look at the date. I forgot. Originally written in 1988. Long time ago. So he writes, where a child or adolescent can sort out or make sorties into the outside world and to which he can return knowing for sure that he will be welcomed when he gets there, nourished physically and emotionally, comforted if distressed, reassured if frightened. Ah, there's that memo. There's that memo to make sure you are strong and that you don't let your children in on too much fear. And I get what they're saying, but as I told my client, I'm so proud of her for showing emotion, her true emotion, her sadness, and when her adorable little son said to her, Mommy, why are you crying? She said, because I'm sad. I'm sad that you won't get to see your friends. I'm sad that you won't get to see your teachers and that Mommy won't get to see, drop you off at such a happy place. And, you know, he said, oh, okay. And he was good. She is imaging as Christ would say, that we're strong when we're actually weak. Paul said, in my weakness, I am made strong. So I, I understand the memo and what they're imaging and what they're trying to say, but not imaging because it was a memo. Um, they weren't before the children. But the mother was imaging emotional regulation. She was imaging a healthy uh, emotional response to sad news. Uh, and it's okay if she images um, anger every now and then, as long as it's not an anger that leads to sin, as Paul also wrote in Ephesians, but an anger that is managed, anger that is self-controlled. It's okay to image grief. It's okay to image our emotions. As we image them well, and healthy. So it was just such a beautiful example to me of how she is creating a home base, a secure home base in which her children are not afraid to have emotion. They actually know that if that was an emotion, she told them this was an emotion and I was sad. Love it. In essence, this role is one of being available. So a parent, a caregiver, who is imaging, who is living before their children, security and safety is going to be one of availability and presence, ready to respond when called upon to encourage and perhaps assist, 
but to intervene actively only when clearly necessary. In these respects, it is a role similar, I love his um, analogy here, to that of the officer commanding a military base from which an expeditionary force sets out and to which it can retreat should it meet with a setback. Much of the time, the role of the base is a waiting one, but it is nonetheless vital for that. Yesterday, I have adult children, as you know, and I connected with um, two of the, da the daughters and the daughter-in-law, and pretty much all day we were connecting. We were connecting as a family on Sunday through our WhatsApp, and you know, my children just know there's a secure base when the world is shaky and they don't quite know what might be going on. We are their secure base. And even if we don't know what's going on, the more confident, oh, I'm sorry, let me finish this. For it is only when the officer commanding the expeditionary force is confident his base is secure that he dare press forward and take risk. So that secure attachment that you give a child um, from the womb on, but primarily from the womb to age six, which is what is the most recently documented, that by the age of six, 85% of a child's personality is formed. And then as a result, only 15% of that 85% will go through the hard work of transformation like my clients did. And I see that. It's, it's hard to go through transformation. It's hard. It's difficult. Um, but the reward at the finish line is security and safety and freedom and health and interdependence and so much love and grace. So that's what I want for you, for you all. He continues just saying, in the case of children and adolescents, we see them as they get older venturing steadily further from base and for increasing spans of time. The more confident they are that their base is secure and moreover ready if called upon to respond, that's the presence part. I am a presence. I am available to my children even now, even now, the more they take it for granted. Hmm. Yet should one or other parent become ill or die, the immense significance of the base to the emotional equilibrium of the child or adolescent or young adult is at once apparent. So today, oh, I'm going long again. I'm so sorry. The family system, your family system, just like forests matter on a global level, your family system right now is where I pray your attention is being drawn to. Because a healthy man and woman create a healthy marriage. And a healthy marriage creates security and safety for children. And then children have a secure, safe base and they become healthy humans. And that is what we're doing here. Trees exert influence on the landscape around them, and we as a family exert influence on those around us. So in another article, it's, it's, so, it's actually a journal um, 
article, The Cost of Growing Up in a Dysfunctional Family, they offer the characteristic of healthy families. And I, I want to offer that to you. There are seven. So characteristic of healthy families. Let's just look at that. Healthy families allow and accept emotional expressions of an individual's character and interest. Healthy families have obvious and consistent rules in the family and boundaries between individuals are honored. They offer consistently, they consistently treat members with respect and build a level of flexibility to meet the individual's needs. One of my foundation stones. All family members within a healthy family feel safe and secure. There's that secure attachment. There is no fear from emotional, verbal, physical, or sexual abuse. This pandemic, as we've said before, there are rising domestic violence statistics happening because people can't get out of an unhealthy home. It's grieving my heart. Responsibilities in a healthy home are given at an age-appropriate level. There's flexibility and forgiveness to a child's mistakes. Perfection is unattainable, unrealistic, besides potentially dull and sterile. <laughs> I just love that. Oh my gosh. So I just wanted to close today. This is just our little introduction to the hallways of home and how important the family system is. So important. And I want to just call back to you because that's what I do. Call back to help you move forward. And I wanted to share with you what I share with my client this morning. And I, I really just want you to hear me in love here and take a deep breath. Remember those three, those three questions that uh, Peter Wallaby asked us. Let me get those back out. He says, the, this book, or perhaps this pandemic I'm adding, is a lens to help you take a closer look at what you might have taken for granted. Slow down, breathe deep, and look around. What can you hear? What do you see? How do you feel? Well, when I look around, I see a pandemic that has definitely pushed us into panic for sure and a new normal, which is very, very distressing, heightened anxiety, fear, panic, so many things. But it's also an invitation. And I'm not trying to be uh, Susie positive here. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, this positivity persona. Being very realistic and very heart to heart, that it's an invitation to slow down, to slow the pace, to quiet the noise, to quiet the distractions, and take some, can I say sacred space, <laughs> to reflect and to look at your kids and look at your family. So, this morning, my client, she was, you know, that now being thrust into, I'm now a homeschooling teacher. And, oh my goodness, I'm getting memos every day and lots of worksheets and lots of this and lots of that. Okay. And I'd also mentioned to you before about my daughter-in-law, Kristen, who is a 
kindergarten teacher in Kansas, and she too now is being required to, you know, this new normal. And my client said to me this one, it was just brilliant. She said, all of a sudden now, I am being called to be a specialist as well in virtual communication, in digital communication. So all of a sudden, I have to know how to manage groups on Zoom, on all these platforms, on Facebook chat groups. I'm now all of a sudden being called to a lot of screen time, which I've heard a lot of people say, you know, just don't worry about the screen time with your kids. And I get all that. But I loved her perception, her perspective on this, that now all of a sudden she's feeling a lot of pressure. And I get that. I get that. And But I, what I offered to her, which I have talked to all three of my kids, and I think that um, I said, you know, just just take a moment here. Take a moment here. First and foremost, find out if the kindergarten is going to require you to put together, you know, a notebook at the end of this time with all the worksheets they are sending home and all of the math requirements and all of the writing journals at six years old. If you're going to be required to turn that in, then you have to be accountable, obviously. You have to be respectful. You have to um, do what you can do. I said, but if you don't, you will have some flexibility here. And that's where that foundation stone in rock solid families comes into key. You know, flexibility is about... Um, acclimating like and and finding that new normal and enter into a period in these next few months of just getting to know your children like get to know them in the hallways of your home because she was like well this child's so different than this one and you know this one won't cooperate when I'm trying to teach this one and I'm like oh I get it I so get it you you, I do get it. But what was most endearing and what my kids remember most about our homeschooling time was the tremendous um, journeys we took. And of course, you can't do that right now. You cannot travel. But you can journey outside and you can look at trees and you can study trees and you can talk about how they communicate and how they are like family systems and you can talk about whatever floats your boat, whatever you love, whatever in season, whatever is like, you, I just would create a unit study that everybody loves and enjoys. Just start there. Get to know your children. Look at them. Help them get to know one another. You know what? Brothers got a different personality than you do. And talk about that. Talk about how this brother loves to sit and read for hours. This brother wants to jump on the trampoline and do backflips and can't be still and eats his sandwich at lunch jumping up and down. Start talking about how we're all different but we're all part of a family system and we have to learn how to work together in a different way now. Most of all, have a lot of grace and have a lot of self-compassion and take care and laugh and play games and sit on the couch together and read a great book together and talk about character 
and talk about life from a great, great book. And there are so many. And I will be doing that this week on some video. So stay tuned for that. So that was just our short introduction into the power of the family system and how impactful our family system is going to be in the greater community of life and how important it is right now that we really think about what is going on in the hallways of our homes and lean into that and take this, this time as difficult. I am not taking away the difficulty of this time. I am not diminishing it in any way, shape or form. But I am saying you've got this and you take this time to really look at your home and look at your children and look at one another because this is your chance. You really only have one opportunity to raise your children. And you are the only one who can do that. So I'll see you next time. Please send me any questions that you have. I really want to hear from you. Janelle at JanelleRairden.com. You can go to JanelleRairden.com. J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com. Subscribe, please, to the podcast. Leave a, you know, a comment about how this has been helpful for you and share it with everyone in your sphere of influence so we can all grow into a magnificent family system. And I know that I know that healthy families will create healthy communities, which will create healthy leaders and a healthy world for those who are coming behind us. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com. 